Well, you really do not follow this glorious God. You ever stood up behind to speak behind someone and you just knew you couldn't carry that? That's where I'm at. Stand with me one more time. That sister said, you know, there were some people hurting. I can carry you right there on that phone. And I can show you text messages this morning from people that said, I'm scared. I'm filled with anxiety. I'm sick. I'm so scared. And I don't know what to do. All of those are this morning on that one phone. There's a world out there people that's hurting. There's a church that's got people in it that's hurting. And they need us to love each other and understand we are the same as they are. Does that make sense? We hurt. Yesterday, I drove past that sign out there, and I struggled putting on it what's on it, and it simply says, Jesus, exclamation, I need you. That's all it says. I rounded that corner yesterday with a, <laughs> forgive my country terminology, with a pure idiot on that same phone. You know what a pure idiot is? That's an undefiled idiot. Pure. And around at that corner, trying to make any form of sense out of what they were saying, trying to love on them, trying to move something in a, in a, in a forward direction, and around at the corner, right in the middle of all of that, really wanting to lace up and drag them across concrete or them drag me, either one that transpired. And I saw that sign. And I thought, whoever that pastor is, I sure appreciate him. Because, Jesus, I sure need you right about here. <laughs> that makes sense. There's two or three people living inside you. Thank you. Don't you ever forget that, people. There's at least two or three living inside you. I, I can promise you that. Standing at the parade, watching my little granddaughter come through yesterday in Lynn Haven, listening to my youngest girl and her husband talk. She said something. He said, oh, that's personality number four. I laughed because I know her, and uh, I said, so you're one of those men that, you know, you loved your wife's personality too much, she'd give you four or five extra for free? And she is that. She's all of that. And I thought to myself, you know, we leave that laying somewhere instead of wearing that. You ever said, hey, man, I'll knock you out in less than a minute? Come on now, don't quit on me. Yeah. Hallelujah, cook your own breakfast. Some of you are hearing me now. Yeah, we are, we are all that, people. I promise you. We are, I promise you, we are all that. Don't, don't ever allow that, that flesh to tell you you're something you're not. We need this God. We need this God. Amen.
Father, thank you one more time, God. Much prayer in this place this morning. Thank you that people want to. That we know we've got someone to pray to that cares anything about us and our future. Teach me one more time what not to say as much as you teach me what to say. I ask for your grace and your mercy one more time. The church said, Amen. You may have a seat. You probably need to pray that I go Baptist short instead of Pentecostal long so you can get there to the chicken before they do. I've got both living inside. You have a Bible, go to Isaiah chapter 40 with me for a minute. And like I said, I went back, you know, a couple of months ago, shared a thought in here entitled, I Need You. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies, Bethlehem, virgin birth, flight to Egypt, goes all the way down through, uh, in my trouble, I have prepared King David building the temple. We move over, and we find a place in the kingdom of God that says to you and I, in my trouble, he's with me. We went from that to a merry heart. From there, we moved over into encouraged. We talked about a retired Navy SEAL, Admiral, about facing bullies. And don't force people to be fake. Let them be who they are. You know, we do that. We force people to be fake because we don't want to receive them in the reality of who they are. That makes sense? Now, you know, when we, when we go back and we look at everything, one of the points that, that really stood out to me out of that particular thought was, when they were making that swim off the coast of San Diego as Navy SEALs, what they told them to do when sharks confront them. They went in detail, telling them how many different species of sharks, you know, to present date, no one we know of has been eaten out here swimming off these coasts with all these sharks after dark. And what he said was, when the sharks are circling you, stand your ground. And if he approaches you, hit him right in his nose. And what it teaches you and I, when those sharks come after you, they come after your Christianity, they come after your family, they come after your peace, they come after just who you are, and they're wanting you to be fake because you make them uncomfortable being who you are. Somewhere, spiritually, physically, You've got to look at that shark, pop him on his nose, and move him the other way. They will move when they find out you're willing to face that. Predators, please hear me for a minute, predators always catch running prey. Come on, somebody. Predators catch running prey. When you watch the kingdom of God, you watch the animal kingdom. 
I watched a buffalo stand down three or four lions the other day. They was all after him, nipping him all over the place while he was running. He finally said, you know what? I'm done with the running deal. And he spun his happy self around, faced every one of them. And when he did, two of them left. I feel this same God, sis, that was down here when we was praying. Sometimes all you've got is look them right dead in their eye and said, you know what? You may whip my behind, but you will know you whipped something before you leave. Come on, somebody. That's spiritually, that's physically, that's every piece of who we are as born-again Christians. There's nowhere in that Bible that he tells you and I to cower down and let somebody run on you. Nowhere. The Word of God said to you and I, when you've done all to stand, stand. He didn't say run. He didn't say back up. He didn't say lay down. When you've done all to stand, stand. Now, I heard a man preach that one time. He said, when you bring that word back out of the Greek, he said, it literally means with forward posture. So when I'm standing, I'm not standing nonchalant so somebody can knock me flat on my back. If I'm standing, I've done all I'm going to do. I'm standing, sis, like a boxer stands. Like a football player stands, like a hockey player, like a. I'm leaning into whatever's coming. Why? Because you ain't taking me back. Why? Because I've already spent too much time by God just trying to stand. It's not taking me any further. This is who I am. You've got to face the sharks, everything in this world, and still, please hear me for a minute, and still keep a decent disposition. See, that's where, that's where we get all goofed up. You know it's easier to bite somebody before they bite you? I love the way some of you look at your husband and your wife. I really do. It's easier to bite first. That was one of the things my dad taught me when I was a teenager. He said, son, if you see you're going to get in something, throw that first. Because whoever throws that first punch normally wins. So your advantage is there. Then I find in the word of God when he said, be not a striker, be not a brawler. But he also said, when you're building that wall, have a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other one. Now that puts us, again, at a place where we've got to be able to hold a, bab a baby. And somebody look in my eye or your eye and said, that joker's fully capable of taking my life while he's loving on that baby. That is the Christ that we serve. Now, I want to read something in Isaiah chapter 40. We'll go back to some of the notes. Are you there? Isaiah 40, verse 1. Sat down Saturday morning. Had a multitude of things I wanted to get done, needed to get done. And I was just going to glance through some things, you know, to save me in my own little gnarled up mind from Sunday morning time from 5, 4, 5 o'clock. And I sit down, open this Bible up, and this is what he said. Comfort you. Then he said, you, or comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Now this is in the book of Isaiah, some five to seven hundred years before Christ came to this planet. And he also, by the way, over seven hundred years ago, told you and I that the earth was round. 
you know, they're still dealing with things of that nature in Columbus's day. And by the way, Columbus thought it was round two. You see people setting up things and watching the shadow, knowing all the way four or five hundred years before Christ that this thing's round. And still, coming in to the newer ages, even after Christ, people still doubting the word of God that the earth is flat. That means hearing me. That's, that's a little weak. That means hearing me. Okay? Hundreds of years, thousands of years before we got here, there's people that have not been around all over this earth knew this thing was round. Why? Because they're listening to the God that built this. And we still struggle when the Holy Ghost of God says, love and fight. Let it go. Don't let it eat you. You need me. All, we still struggle. We didn't listen to the round. We didn't listen to the stars. We didn't listen. <laughs> With this new telescope, this Hubble, do you know how many galaxies, untold galaxies, are out there other than our galaxy? Now, brother, we're talking about a God that the Word of God said, when he spoke, out of his mouth comes something like the sun. I think I met a few of those. You better smile at me. You ever met somebody that out of their mouth comes things close to the sun? <gasps> now listen to where he went. This is God talking to Isaiah. Now you have to go back and read, do some homework, read about five chapters before you got here. This is God talking to his prophet. Comfort my people, says God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her. That her warfare, listen, please hear me. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Comma. That her iniquity is pardoned. For she, listen, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Can I say something to you this morning? There's people in this house that you can't even draw a breath because you don't feel like you deserve God's love because of some things that's happened years ago in your life. Did you know God sent a prophet to an entire nation 700 years ago and said, you know what? You've been through enough. Yes, you caused some of it. Come on, somebody. Other people call some of it, but I want you to know, enough's enough. Get up. Brush your face down. Let God love you. And he told the prophet to tell a church, an old nation, speak comfortably. I love you. An entire nation of us. said, you've paid double for what you've done. Get that in your heart. Get it in your mind. Quit beating yourself. And no, I love you. Get up, brush your knees off, and receive what God's got and that love and that mercy behind your life. That, are you hearing me this morning? Well, I sit there, just going to graze through, get a little something, you know, for myself, go on outside, do my thing. Two hours later, I'm still sitting there studying what God was saying to a man about all of Israel. 
He's just simply trying to get them to brush all that garbage off and let me love you. Now, just in the previous chapter, there was a king died because he wouldn't listen to God. There was another king that was granted 15 more years in his life that was about to die because the, the, the children of God turned to a wall and prayed and talked to God, gave him 15 more years. All of that's transpiring, and he tells the man that he gave 15 more years. He said, listen, everything you've done here, all of it, because you did what you're going to do, it's all going to be in Babylonian hands. And it's not far up that road. Everything you've done is going to be in somebody else's hands. Now, I want you to go with me just for a minute, just to look at the end of that story for the most part. Jeremiah chapter 29, one of my favorite places, one of my favorite verses. And this is where he's at. He said, verse 9, chapter 29, For the prophet, they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them. Then he said, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished in Babylon, I will visit you, and I'll perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Now, you've got to understand, God caused them to get to that place. That was some of their own choosing. He sent them into 70 years of Babylonian captivity. But this is what he said. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. They're thoughts of peace. They're not evil. I want to give you an expected end. Then you shall call on me. You shall go and pray unto me, and I'll listen to you. When you seek me, I will be found. And he moves all the way down, telling these precious people exactly what's happening, why it's happening, and I'm coming back. I'm not going to leave you in that. But at the end of everything you and I have been through, whatever you've been through in your life, he's got one place he wanted you and I to be, and that's with knowledge of everything that I caused me, what other people caused me, what God caused me, and what the enemy caused me. There's a whole lot of things incorporated in mine in your life. Got a precious text message yesterday from a, just a, a precious friend, and they were talking about everything that we've been through. And what we learned from it, what we gleaned from it, and where we are now by the grace and the mercy of God. Have you ever looked back and you say, when you're dealing with somebody and they're really, really struggling, and you call something back that you went through, and there's just something waiting right there with all your brokenness, and you say, you know what? I remember. And you know what? We're here today, and neither one of us gone. And we got an opportunity here to help somebody and love on them for what I came out the other side of. Honey, I look back just in my life alone. I look back the last six or seven years of my life. Well, outside of Jesus, God only knows. How many heard what I just said? Just in the mind games that could have transpired. I need thee every hour. I need thee by his grace and by his mercy. And if I've ever brought a message here, I've with all of my heart. Saturday morning, he said to me, preacher, encourage my children. Let them know I'm on their side. 
We actually did one message in here with Bob Seeger. Turn the page. You ever seen anybody keep reading the same page 200 times? Come on now. I heard something back there. Yeah. Yeah, turn the page. Why? You've already read that page. You know what is there. Why relive that page 100 times? I said, I'm going to say something here, that I, and I've said it quite a few times. He said it to me years ago. If you believe God heard every idle word, and the word of God said he has, he got every deed recorded, and the word of God in the New Testament said he had both of those, and if you believe God said vengeance is mine, and the word of God says he has New Testament, he asked me one time, personally he asked me, he said, if you believe all of that, why are you keeping a record and duplicating my files that I already have? I'm going to say that again. If you believe everything I just said, word of God, biblical, records of, he got every idle word. Now, again, that should scare some of us half to death just from this morning. I can show you on a text message this morning. Family members cussing one another out in front of children. God recorded it. Come on now. He records everything we say. Good, bad, or indifferent. He's recorded it all. Even when I mumble in my sleep. Come on, somebody. He's got it all written down. You ever looked at somebody and they walk off and you're going, sound like Charlie Brown? He got all that too. He's got it all recorded. And if he's got what I said recorded, that means he recorded what was said to me. You know, we do things sometimes that we forgot why we do what we do. We relive in a hurt, Lee Parsons. We, done, we, we don't even remember, but the scar's still there. And every time I feel that scar, bah, and we don't even know why anymore. You ever had a fight go on in your house so long? You, you stay mad, you stay mad, you stay mad. And then about a week later, you look at one another and say, what you mad about? I don't know, but I'm still mad. <laughs> I guess that was free. Everybody knew. Well, why are you mad? I don't know, but it feels better than being scared. And it does. Anger feels better than fear. It does. One of the things that we went back through just for us forgetting those things that are behind pressing toward the prize of the mark of the high calling. Then he said remember where you came from. Same God. If there be any good in them, think on these things. We dealt with the anger, whole emotion. Matter of fact, I quoted a man by the name of Rumi, R-U-M-I. Looked the whole phrase up. Matter of fact, precious brother did, sent me the whole thing. He said, the wound is where the light enters you. The wound is where the light enters in. 
when I get hurt, I get hurt, somebody says something. Right there where the light of God can pierce me from inside. Somewhere I've got to find out I'm vulnerable. Find out I'm vulnerable. I'll turn to God and say, God, you're going to have to help me. And this thing's about to get ugly. In here or out here. Either way. Now I look. The very next message. Next Sunday after anger was forward. All. All. Floating vessels are built to go forward. The bow is built higher than the stern. Got more rake. It's higher. The wheelhouse, all the windows, they're all setting forward. And I made a little slick, off-color remark, so to speak. The only thing the backside of a vessel is good for is exhaust. built to go forward two eyes two ears nose mouth we're built to go forward we're not built to back up and to go forward i need to see everything i need to see I need to hear everything that's out there i need to speak as i go smell where it's at you know your prayers come up before god as a smoke off the incense god literally smells your prayers that's bible matter of fact he said your prayers sister in golden vials in heaven the prayers of your people before you got in this church, they're in golden vows. God's still honoring people prayed over you. We don't even know. I made mention of that one day, that precious lady, my mom, sitting right there. She's one of the reasons, by the grace of God in her prayers, that, that I'm doing what I'm doing. God only knows where this nut would be without that precious little thing praying and me out in a club somewhere. She saw no signs of hope in that man for years. Drug addiction, everything I went through, fights, everything I went through, working construction, she saw no, she saw no hope outside of the word of God said there's hope. Quit, keep praying. Don't quit praying. Never quit praying for your loved ones, people. Never quit praying for your loved ones. They didn't quit praying for you and I. And when you pray, that prayer, if, listen to me, that prayer, if you backslide, you go back, whatever you, whatever you do, that prayer stays with God. He don't say, well, he's acting stupid today and take that prayer out and throw it away. No, no, no. That prayer still, thank you, that prayer is still in the presence of God Almighty. It's in a golden vow because the heart of somebody said to God, please keep my family. I've prayed sometime, God, you've got to keep them. I'm going to kill them. Come on, somebody. I told you a story recently. My, my youngest girl was dating a boy that I just, <laughs> I'd already had him talk to him, sit down with him, threatened him, and was headed out to fulfill the threat. Grabbed a doorknob on my house about to go out. My wife of the day asked me, said, uh, where are you going? I said, I'm about to go break him from the habit. I told him I would, and I'm headed in that direction. And I remember holding that doorknob, and the Holy Ghost of God said, you're besieging that child, turn a leaf. He's 17. And I stood there holding that. You ever seen a cartoon where they crush the doorknob, you turn it loose, it looked like the handprint? I tried that. It didn't work for me. I wanted it to work. 
I remember turning the doorknob loose and going getting in the prayer room. For over an hour, I cried that floor. I'm talking boo-hoo crying on the floor. What he said to me was, you're holding her too close. I can't get to her. You're cutting my supply off to her. She's got to know me like you know me. So back up. Less than two weeks, she came in the door. Mad, mad, mad at that boy. I wanted to dance in front of her. Come on, somebody. She was, I hate Delco so sorry. He can't, he can't. No. But I had to stand there and go, I know, baby. Thank you. I've seen that daddy look. Less than two weeks. She never saw him again. Never dated him again. Went on, got two beautiful grandbabies standing beside her in the parade the other day watching that little eight-year-old come around with eight batteries too many in her little pack. And you know, I'm going to say something here. Out of everybody that could have walked up and stood beside us, when I first started at that jail, back in the 90s, as a volunteer, there was a man named Alex Taylor that was there and head of the programs division. And he taught me the first time I went in as a volunteer in the 90s. He come back after I made chaplain, and I had to teach him as a volunteer because he was now volunteering. He went on to probation and parole, still doing it. Actually works up in Chipley now. And he's walking down that sidewalk, so I turn around and shake hands with him. Just loved on him a minute. He ended up standing there with my wife, I mean, with my daughter and myself and my son-in-law. We stand there, and, and we had the biggest time. His granddaughter was coming through like my granddaughter was coming through. And I thought, God, not only did you let me watch my grandbaby, you took me all the way back to my roots. You took me to the man that taught me how to volunteer inside of a jail in a prison system. And 20-something years later, you bring him back up and stand him beside me out of thousands of people on this planet that we can watch our grandbabies together come down that road. Why did he say all that? He knows where you live. You hear me? He knows where you live. I laughed at that man. My God, he's, 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 a, he's a black gentleman. He, he's probably 6'1", six, 6'2", six, just a good-sized boy. And he... And he's standing, and people come about and floats. He said, hey, hey, quit being so cheesy with that candy. Hit me in the face with some. <laughs> now, the first couple of times he get it, I got a little bit embarrassed, but then I got a hold of what he was doing. We had some fun while we were standing there. <laughs> he walked out with a shirt load of candy. I'm telling you, my daughter had a hat full. He had his shirt full. And you know what he did? He walked across the street to what I know and he knew to be a straight gangbanger, left leg up, you know, shoes on, all the, everything shining, and he walked over to that man's baby and did his best to give all that candy to that precious baby across that street. I thought, now, buddy, we serve a glorious God. The love of God, get inside you, get inside me. He handles that stuff every day he lives and breathes. He got enough reason 
as a probation officer, parole officer. He's got enough reason, honey. He should have never crossed that road, not for a hot minute. He could have stood there and told me a thousand stories. Why not to go over there and talk to that? That means hearing him. But he stood there with the same Jesus inside. And he said to him, in essence, comfort my people. Love my people. They've been through enough at their own hands. They don't need me. Thank you, sister. They don't need you and I beating them down. Are there some things that sober us? I hope to God they sober us. Going forward, turning the page, dealing with our anger, all the things that he says to you and I, he moved on down, you know, leaving the familiar was last Sunday morning. What you got to do? We got to leave what's familiar to go forward. We talked about Abraham having to leave everything. Jacob had to leave everything. Peter had to leave everything. Paul had to leave everything. When you, you know, I, I think a lot of times, and I've told you guys just playing, loving on you. I said, I don't know what you people did I got before I got here, but why 23 to 25 years of prison enabled me to be your pastor? Somebody done something. <laughs> so when you look at just a little Southern Baptist church, and then you look at what this glorious God put in here and through here to come love you and be your pastor? I'm waiting for the stories. <laughs> Go ahead and stand with me this morning. I realize it was a little different. You know, he goes on to say there, over 600 years before John came, in verse 3, the voice of him that cries in the wilderness, which is direct attachment to John, the book of John. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley he goes down, verse 7. I'm going to ask you something right here. I'm going to read some of this, and I want to ask you something. It says, the grass withers away, the flowers fade. Verse 7, chapter 40, book of Isaiah. Because the Spirit of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people grass. The grass goes away, the flowers it fades, the word of our God shall stand forever. You ever smelt a baby's breath? I'm going to ask that again. Thank you. That mama's still fresh. Have you ever smelt a baby's breath? Before they get their little teeth. You know, before you wake up and you roll over to your husband, you go, good morning. <laughs> that baby's breath. Sure. I had a buddy of mine did over 10 years in a prison in Georgia. Come out a little while doing life now. And I asked him after nine or 10 years in that Georgia prison, what did you miss? He never hesitated at my love it. He said, puppy breath. He raised dogs. He said, puppy breath. I just I missed the smell of a puppy's breath. It immediately took me to a baby's breath. The word of God said in Genesis 1, 
Spirit of God went out over the water. The breath of God, Greg Mayo, went over that water. You've been out on that water a thousand times, mullet fishing, everything you're doing. When you see that ripple run across that water, when you see waves roll, when you see white tops come on it, when you see all of that out on that water, visualize the breath of God rippling that water because that's what does that. You can feel the breath of God. I was praying over a friend of mine who was over in Iraq. The Air Force, Master Sergeant, retired now, lives. I've just talked with him this week. And I remember praying over him. And I said, God, please take care of my brother. He's overseas. He's doing for us what we can't do for us over there. That we can do what we're doing now and not be fearful of somebody coming in that door, shooting us for this. And I literally, sis, praying over him, I literally, I was driving around Deer Point Dam, actually going to the jail, praying over him again when I rounded the corner. And I saw that little sheen come across the water out there. And I heard this glorious God say to me, my spirit can cross that ocean. And I saw that. I saw it go across to that precious brother. The prayers from the United States headed to that soldier on the other side of all that water and what God was doing on the other side. That breath, brother, that breath. I've fought what I'm about to say at least eight or nine times. <coughs> so do whatever you've got to do with it. I've met one woman, and I don't say this flippantly, I don't say it ugly. I've met one woman, grown woman in my life. And her breath was like a baby's breath. And I knew the friendship was God's gift. Couldn't have come from anywhere else. I actually told her one day, I like the smell of your breath. She looked at me like I'd lost my mind, and I felt like I had. <laughs> How many understand what I just said? Can I tell you I fought that at least eight to ten times? When you know the pureness of God's breathing on you, he came to encourage you. He breathed in this place this, this morning. Nothing more precious. See that precious thing kneel down in front of that little manger scene and the presence of God rolling this out. We serve a glorious God, people. Amen. I love you this morning. Father, thank you for your grace in our lives, God. Please keep us, teach us, guide us, guard us, God, and direct us. Thank you for every visitor, Father, for every person walking this door today. We ask you in Jesus' name, please keep us. The church said... Amen. All hearts clear.